This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have a dynamic duo of restoration, the CEO of 9-11 Restoration. Mary Ophir is here with me. Welcome to The Playbook. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And I have my co-host in crime, the incredible Average Joe, uh, who I love, who brings us to a level of understanding of what it's like to be an entrepreneur in the restoration space, the CEO himself of Rocket Plan Technologies. Joe, thanks for coming and co-hosting with me. Awesome to be here, David. Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, of course. Well, you know, a lot of people don't think about restoration until they need it. And I think that's truly the crux of the business. And uh, your mission is, Mary, to build a fresh start culture, which ironically, inherently, internally at the company, but also it's amplified externally because when we're in the 911 restoration first and fresh start culture, uh, that's really what people want is a fresh start. And me, I've been a victim of a fire and I've had to deal with all the different parties uh, who love to point their fingers in varying directions uh, when all I wanted to do was be able to fix my home and restore my family. A fresh start culture certainly would have added value to what I do. For you, how important is that fresh start culture and how do you form one internally in your company? So that's truly the reason why I personally wake up every morning and do what I do. Um, I feel honored and very grateful for that industry. Uh, if you think about it, like you said, I mean, we're, people are reaching out to us in the moments when they need us the most, right? Uh, we hear all of our uh, phone calls are recorded. So we hear clients that are calling and, you know, some are upset and crying. And it's such a difficult moment when you know, their whole household is, is flooded or maybe it's business and there's financial loss. Uh, so for that, this is truly what we see, right, is the emotional aspect of it. So our main, the main thing uh, that we want to make sure is to show them that empathy, like we hear you, we understand where you're at and kind of guide them through, you know, when such disaster happens. Uh, and we found that we, when you really show that empathy, when you really care, right? So when we approach every house, we, we treat it as if it's one of our own houses, right? If it's my mom's or dad's or one of our relatives. And I think that's key. Uh, and, and that's really our starting point. Uh, and when franchisees, uh, and that's really the constant training that we provide our franchisees, uh, you know, from day one, when they join our franchise. Um, so, so that's really like the, the, the core of it on our end. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, in all different fields, how we make people feel is sometimes more important than what we actually deliver, whether as an author, a speaker, an entrepreneur, uh, or in the restoration business. What are some of the challenges, though, uh, when we deal with people that are in a, a interfering type of emotional status that, you know, they're not looking for ease, you know, they actually may feel like a victim. They f may feel like they're being punished and you're under a scrutiny because even a normal response may be taken as one that's non-empathetic, that, oh, you don't really care. And 
how do you overcome the fact that people's mindset may be looking uh, for uh, something that's missing instead of looking for help uh, in, in these processes? So I think, again, my starting point, and that's my way of living, right? I'm, I'm a big believer that in order to make a difference, uh, you don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to have special skills. All you have to do is truly care, right? Um, so if you think about it, so I think that's uh, something that either we have it or we don't. And it's something that we heavily speak about when you uh, franchises join us. So when we have, you know, the, the first contact with that homeowner or that business owner that calls us, you know, it's that empathy. We keep in mind that they're very stressed, right? And in some cases, that's a mom and, you know, she has babies at the house and, you know, it's their personal belongings that are ruined right now. Uh, so we, we heavily focus on that internally, right? When when we deal with people and patience, right? So be human, truly listen to them, be patient with them uh, and kind of guide them through that. I mean, we've been running into different situations, right? Some are more stressful than others. Uh, but I think the key here is if you care, right? You're, you're going to show it. If you genuinely care about something, you know, the other party is going to see it and then we're going to find common ground and and be able to to walk through that together and give them, you know, show them how this opportunity, you know, to be how does I how does opportunity turn out to be even better than before? Right. So let's say if they had a kitchen and the kitchen is ruined. So, you know, now you have a brand new kitchen, you know, now you see why it happens. Right. I'm a big believer that everything that happens to us, good or bad, has a great reason and benefits us in some way. Yeah, that protected and promoted side of it. A lot of uh, people don't take that mindset and don't share that with the people uh, that are most concerned with it. And, you know, working with Rocket Plan and understanding the varying degrees of blame, shame, and justification, uh, being a franchise owner, and you were on the marketing side, Mary, when you started, uh, sometimes when we don't have the right partners, it doesn't matter what culture we have. Uh, if our partners can't deliver or the processes and systems are not aligned to effectuate what is promised or at least meet expectations, uh, historically in the restoration business, it's caused a lot of separation and also a lot more distress in a very distressful situation. Joe, I know you worked in the business and that's why you created Rocket Plan uh, what are some of those things that you're able to do for 9-11 restoration in order to facilitate a empathetic value uh, that exceeds the expectations of the clients of 9-11 restoration franchisees? Yeah, you know, I can totally relate. There's nothing more rewarding but to be able to help people to bring their lives to pre-lost condition because property damage is sudden, unexpected, and it's very traumatic experience to people going through the process. Um, when I started, I started with two employees and I was the person taking the calls, responding to the emergencies, uh, doing all the work, labor work, demolition, cleanup with my crew in the field. And then I was capturing all the documentation, reporting to insurance companies, property managers, owners, doing all the estimating and billing. And I was able to do that up until 20 employees, but we grew that company to over 100 with multiple branches in BC and Alberta. And then we run into challenges of capturing the documentation in the field to streamline that reporting, estimating, and billing. And what I found challenging is that field crew can do the greatest work 
on a job site, keeping it clean, keeping it tight and scheduled. But then if the paperwork is not in order, which is always being delayed and misplaced, it creates a lot of issues in the end and delay in dragging the claim for too long. And after we implemented three different software, they were all built before smartphones really became smart. So they work for the back office, but not for the field. I decided to build something that works for the people in the field to easily capture documentation and cut out massive amount of manual labor, but also remove huge stress and being able to provide the documentation and reporting to the owners, to the adjusters, to the property managers, and make everybody happy. You know, restore their lives to pre-loss condition a lot sooner and be more efficient, ultimately provide better working environment for the people on the ground because nobody likes to deal with paperwork. <laughs> well, also blame, shame, and justification is a big part of it. And both of you hold accountability high into the culture in which you guys proliferate. Um, Miri, you've extended your career though, like Joe, probably not as far. I tease him, I call him average Joe. He started on the grill at Dairy Queen, not speaking a lick of English. So he's come a long way. But when it comes to 9-11 restoration, uh, you've worked all the different aspects of the business as well, just like Joe. Uh, you've worked in marketing as a CMO. You've worked in operations as a COO. Now you're the CEO. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, look for that type of journey through a company a franchise or or even in their own business um as far as developing the skills the knowledge and the desire to make it to be a ceo what were some of the things that you would give as advice to someone that's working their way up through a successful organization like 9-11 restoration um i think as i said earlier is really you have to love what you do right so for me when i wake up in the morning and i wouldn't say for so many years unless I truly enjoyed it, right? Uh, and be very passionate about it. So I think that's key. And that's something that we make sure that all of our internal team members have, you know, at any position that, that they're at. Uh, so passion, that's a big thing. And I always laugh about it. You know, I'm, I tell our franchisees and our clients, I'm available 24 seven and I meet it and they test me. You know, you would get a call at midnight sometimes from someone who's freaked out or frustrated or need help, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I do my best <laughs> to be there for them. Uh, so I think that's first key is to check with ourselves if we're in the right place. I mean, the second thing is really to see the people, right? Um, it, it's all about the people. It's all about the team members. So I wouldn't be where I am today unless I had such a great team. Uh, and such a great partner working with me. And I'm so grateful for it. I think that there's that there's can only be some of, you know, we, we can accomplish uh, when we're as individuals and we can accomplish much more as a team. Um, so see the people, right? It's uh, truly, you know, show empathy to them. Listen to, you know, to the people around you. Uh, what are they after, right? What are their goals? What are they passionate about? And how do I collaborate with them and, and get them there? So I think that was uh, one of the things that I'm very passionate about uh, is learn about people, learn about new cultures. Uh, and for me, I think the biggest thing is to, you know, if I was able to contribute even 0.01% as of my effort for them to achieve their goals and dreams, you know, I it, it means the world to me. So truly see the people, right? Not just it's not numbers, it's not PL, 
Um, I mean, without them, you know, I wouldn't even be here. So I think that's uh, truly the key for me as I, you know, if I look at my journey, as I've collaborated with hundreds of franchisees, different peoples, you know, on behalf of headquarters, um, and it just starts and ends there. And you're a tremendous leader as well. And you've had a very eclectic background in order to formulate what leadership means to you. Uh, there's very few people when I look at their backgrounds that have a varying degree of experiences and skill sets at the highest level in order to effectuate being a leader, to transform an organization, to build a culture. Um, and in the, that eclectic background, it was interesting because, you know, I ran one of the most notable sports agencies in the world, uh, which probably had more of the alignment with when you were in the military police, a very scarce competitive, uh, although you being a woman and me being a man, it was probably even more difficult for you. But you also have some other alternative uh, philosophies that you've utilized in your leadership to be an intelligent follower. Uh, how have you combined this eclectic background and experience? What are some of the things maybe alternatively beyond the obvious leadership skills that you have by earning your way up to the top at uh, 9-11 restoration, being a military police uh, executive or, or officer, but more importantly, there's a lot of uh, depth to your own mindset, heart set, along with that uh, leadership handset that you've developed. Yeah, so uh, one of the biggest things, I guess, that I gained from being uh, in the military police, right, is execution in terms of, like, get things done, right? Uh, that's really the culture of it, whether if it's when, when you wake up in the morning or you get a task for your commander and it has to get done. Uh, so that's I'm really grateful for. And I think what I've been doing throughout the years is, is truly find the balance, right? Because for me, if I would have to define leadership, for me, uh, leaders are here to develop new leaders, right? I'm not the type of person that would say I'm the boss and you have to follow my instructions. I think leadership, it's more, it's leadership through support. It's lead by example, right? It's truly sit with, you know, whoever, you know, works with me and truly try to again, understand what they'd like to do, uh, what's their career goal, right? And help them get there. Uh, so there's a lot of coaching involved in that. And I think the beauty of it and the magic starts when you combine that empathy and high level of execution, right? And that works really well where you have someone that is so passionate and he he works, he feels that he works with someone who truly cares about him, um, making sure that they're growing individually, right? Because because if a person doesn't grow individually, there's no way that as a team we're going to grow. Uh, and at the same time, have that discipline, right? Things need to get done at this time. Uh, so it's very uh, like family oriented, um, I guess, culture that we adopted. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of how I combine my military experience <laughs> to, to where I am today. And where you are today requires two things in order to get to where you want to be tomorrow or even better. And the first is to find people uh that you can help to get to where they want to be. And I heard that in every answer in building your culture, but a lot of executives and leaders uh, get to that position and they forget about the radical humility of asking for help, finding people like Joe Tolzman that sit in a situation uh, that they may want to be in and ask them for help as well. How important is it not only to elevate others to elevate yourself, but elevate yourself 
by asking for help? So I always say uh, that for me, I'm far from being perfect and I don't have all the answers. Um, and for me, it's always a learning opportunity with whoever I speak with, right? So that's my starting point. Um, and I tell that to my team all the time or whether if it's franchises, I always consult. Uh, if I have an idea, you know, I would go to the head of that department and I'll say, hey, you know, what do you think, right? So there's always, it's never dictate, right? And hey, this is what I want to do, do it. It's, I have an idea, what do you think? Uh, if it's the franchise, the franchise community, for example, uh, one of the things that I always do, we have the franchise steering committee. Every decision that I take is with their blessing. Right. I mean, the challenging part is to find that common ground, because sometimes, you know, we may not see things eye to eye. Uh, but in many occasions, you know, even if we agree to disagree, they'll say, you know, we really appreciate it. You took the time. You didn't have to. You could have done whatever you wanted. Right. But, you know, you, you still took the time to consult with us. So um, that's what I always convey to everyone. Right. You don't know everything. And I learn from everyone, every conversation that I have with any team member or any franchisee, it's a learning experience for me. I'm a big believer on reflections, right? Whatever you get, it's part of, it's in me. Uh, also a big believer that the, the meaning of communication is the feedback that you get. Uh, so for me, it's always a learning experience. So, I mean, I'm always reaching out for advice. I don't know, you can see that as seeking for help. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a team player. Yeah, you certainly are. And to ask for help creates that radical humility of actually uh, knowing that you don't know. And it's OK to ask for help for that, which you don't know. Uh, the last topic is, you know, looking at your career um, as a single mom working so many hours, working your way to the top uh, to build a family culture as well as a professional culture. Um I think a lot of people look at people like you and Joe uh, as overnight successes and they always forget about, you know, where we came from and what we had to do. Uh, I was hoping that we could finish with uh, Joe. You first, you know, talk about the importance of just grinding and doing it daily and the investment of making that you made into yourself in order to build such a successful business. And then uh, Mary, if you could as well, add on to hopefully the enlightening statements that Joe will help us with not only discipline, but actually work ethic. Absolutely. Mary's story is so inspiring and I can relate to so many things. And when I served in military, I learned a lot about leadership, structure, teamwork, but more importantly, the discipline to do, do the right thing, no matter how hard it is. And there's always ways to improve and there's always ways to learn from other people, other experiences, and be there to be able to provide more value to others, because that's how we become valuable. So it's an ongoing process. Certainly, as Amiri, just to finish up, um, your overnight success uh, has taken years. Uh, how important was it to stay consistent and persistent in that pursuit of your potential, regardless of all the challenges that not only you, but so many people face every single day. I think that's key because if you think about it, uh, you know, the, I'm referring to the external world. Uh, there are so many voices. You can't do it. You know, don't do it. There's different opportunity here. Someone may reach out and say, you know, I have a job offer for you. There's so, and, you know, our own voice, right? I'm not good enough. You know, I won't be able to make it. I think uh, in order to be uh, where I am today, people think it's easy. It's 
absolutely it's everything but easy or fast uh, i think leadership starts with leading ourselves right and by leading ourselves that means to kind of shut off all that voices all the external voices and truly listen to our inner voice right where do we want to go regardless of what everyone says if i would have listened to other people probably wouldn't be here today including my close relatives, family members, siblings, parents, right? No one really thought I'll be able to make it, um, which was very challenging. So to your point, I think persistence uh, and, and consistency, it's its truly key to that. And believe in, in our way and be true to our inner voice and just great things will happen. Um, so that really worked out for me. It certainly did. And that inner voice is so important. I tell people all the time, be careful what you're saying to yourself. It's bad enough to look for what other people think or want for you or what's missing or what you don't have. That's the easy one. Uh, but be careful of what you say to yourself because you're listening. And, and uh, if we don't talk the right talk to ourselves, we might listen to the things that are missing, what we don't have or what other people want for us. And as much as we need to restore other people's lives, we need to make the investment in ourselves uh, in order to make that investment in others and have a fresh start. Every single time we have struggles, pains, voidage, shortages, and obstacles in our life. If you want to learn how to be a success, there's people like Mary Ophir out there and Joe Tolzman working together, collaborated in a coordinated movement to provide value, to provide other people during some of the most difficult times you'll ever face to have a fresh start, to be protected and promoted by two great executives, Joe Tolzman, Mary Ophir. Thanks for joining me. This is David Meltzer on The Playbook.